Welcome to the Sharks podcast, episode number two. I am Bob Perfect. And I'm Kiran Chetty. And we're going to be discussing all the Throne of Aldrain spoilers. We're going to be discussing the changes in modern. And we're going to be getting into a little bit of a controversial topic. Well, our take on it might be a little controversial. We're going to be getting into the Hall of Fame voting uh, process. Uh, how you doing, Kiran? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Like, I've really... I've actually been very keen to get to, like to do this again for us to podcast again. I really enjoyed the last one that we did, but so much has already changed in the last two weeks. I mean, the spoiler season has been pretty exciting. It's been really fun. I don't know if you saw the trailer for Throne of Aldrain. I, I did actually. It was incredible. It was, it was a real, real good production value. Um, yeah, they've, they've really the, improved. One of the best short films I've seen like this year, like basically, it was really, really good. I even showed it to my girlfriend, and she was just like, "Wow, that was so good, so emotional." But like, this is the thing, right? Like, for a company the size of you know Hasbro, um, you would think that this would be standard, you know, this would be the norm. It, it's so easy. I mean, from my time in corporate, the amount of amazing, amazing videos and production that we put on for internal dialogue, for internal presentations and stuff, uh, was incredible. And so, and that's with obviously much smaller resources um, at sort of corporate companies. So for year when you're going with this massive multinational, you'd expect a lot more of it. So I'm glad that we, they seem to be heading in a direction where they're appreciating a bit more, I guess, marketing finesse um, and, and getting people, um, particularly maybe people who aren't into the game, uh, interested, as, as you say, your girlfriend for one, um, was intrigued by it. Yeah, and the thing is, I think uh, what was it about a year or two ago? They had a big shakeup in like you know corporates at Magic. They brought in people from other games. They brought in people from other companies and stuff. And it seems like maybe that's uh, helped with the direction of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, it's corporate 101, man. Like, uh, I, I can't remember the figure, but there's a there's a well popular study where they say that you know sort of senior management in any company at least 30% of your staff need to be external hires. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of the same idea and the same thinking that happens if you just have uh, promoting people from within. And so you got to get fresh ideas. And there's lots of other um, awesome things out there that you can learn from. So yeah, clearly something's going right there. Yeah, and it also, I think it's, you know, it's really cool that it brings a little bit of hope to that magic. Um, I don't know if you see the Netflix series that they're going to be creating. Like, I think this shows that they have the cap- capability to actually create something really awesome. They've done it twice now with these trailers. So hopefully they can keep it up for half an hour at a time. Yeah, man, I did. And that's really exciting. I mean, I've got lots of friends who either own stores or magic distributors or whatever the case is. And they've all said, you know, when Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh was a big TV hit uh, the amount of pe- people, the new people that flocked in to pick up this game is incredible. So hopefully, um, we'll have uh, Magic will have a similar, um, enjoy a similar benefit, and uh, you know, new kids and um, new players will pop up, pop in and take up the game as a result. So it should be cool. Yeah, and I definitely think with this set as well. I mean, they've been doing it like so with Ravnica and Dominary. I think they got a lot of older players back into the game. Uh, with Arena, they've been getting a lot of newer players into the game. And I think with using stuff like you know the intellectual property from Throne of Eldraine as well, a lot of people are going to be interested in this now. Like you know, you do see like uh, what was it, Goldilocks and the Three Bears? You had you know the Flaxen Intruder and stuff like that. I think you know 
they've been doing a really good job in terms of just direction and getting people interested in the game again. Um, and talking of interest in the game again, what cards are you interested in when it comes to Thronable Drain? Um, yeah, so I've had to go against the grain a little bit here because um, historically, um, before a pre-release, I tried not to look at the cards. Um, and, and I always want to be surprised once I go to the pre-release. But um, uh, for this episode, I made a... That. Yeah, and, and now with you know with the internet and Twitter and you just can't you can't avoid it you know uh, no. and all of a sudden these images pop up on you on WhatsApp from friends and say hey have you seen this <coughs> so I've had sorry I've had to go a bit out the way and have a look but yeah there's there's many many things I guess um, I guess the first one um, that's that's intriguing that maybe isn't spoken about as much um, this is card called Best, uh, Beanstalk Giant. Um, oh, and fertile footsteps. It's an uncommon. So it's a okay, three mana. It's it's rampant growth for three mana. Okay. It's rampant growth for three mana, right? But like the the old problem with ramp spells is that you know the classic ramp deck. It's great early on, and late later on your deck's just full of air, and you sometimes um, don't have a critical mass of of um, business spells, and you run out. So this says. The first part is is the rampant growth for three mana. The second part so says. So first footsteps. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a giant. It's a seven mana XX, and its power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Um, which I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think this is going to be the standout card in the set by any stretch of the imagination. But I just thought, wow, this is really cool. And there's a similar card. There's a shatter shatter variant um, that becomes a a two one creature as well. So just yeah, having these shield breaker. Yeah, just having these 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 spells that um, historically you know could become a bit of a liability um, that have the second mode is fantastic. So I th I thought that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. there's hypnotic sprat that's also in that um, same vein essentially. I think there's a cycle of the uncommon ones where yeah, I yeah. don't know what the white or black one might be, but yeah, like it's definitely useful. And I think especially in terms of limited, those cards are going to be fantastic. Uh, just, you know, obviously having those double uses just makes them great. People are also talking about just with the adventure cards being able to bounce, you know, once the once you played the creature, you just bounce it, and then you get uh, the ability to play the sorcery again, the adventure again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe to fairy with, it's only going to get better with the set. Small yeah, fairy, actually... That is. I actually uh, sold um, a few cards to someone who listens to this podcast and uh, bought a bunch of Teferis today because uh, <laughs> I've been playing in the – on Arena, they've been doing this challenge, basically. You, you get XP because uh, they've got a whole reward system and whatever. I know you don't really know about it or mm. care about it, but it's been a best-of-one uh, situation, essentially, with cards just from uh, Ravnica onwards. And I've actually been playing Esper, and I've actually just, I've been loving life. Today I went on about an eight-game winning streak, which, you know, it's pretty difficult nice. to best of one to, to do that. But I managed to get the deck where I want it, and yeah, Little Teferi's just going to, like, it's solid at the moment. I think stuff like, you know, that Vigilant, Hasty, uh, Bad Boy Questing Beast is definitely mm. going to be a problem. And there is a lot more haste in the set. I think that's definitely there to attack Planeswalkers, so we're going to see how... That all, you know, comes together. What do you think of that questing beast? Obviously, four mana, four four, uh, vigilance, death touch, haste. 
Uh, can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. And when it deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals damage damage to target planeswalker that player controls. That is very anti uh, Teferi. That's that's a lot of text. That's a hell of a lot <laughs> yeah. of text. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of abilities. Can can we just break this down? I mean, vigilance, <laughs> death touch, haste. That's three. So, can't the only be blocked thing by creatures. Yeah, well, yeah, well, and it kind of tramples onto planeswalkers anyway, right? It redirects to planeswalkers, can't be blocked by creatures' power two or less, damage can't be prevented. I mean, six different abilities on on a four mana creature. That's they didn't want they didn't want to hire good. someone to do flavor text, like that's all. <laughs> they ran out of budget. <laughs> so like, let's just give it an extra ability. Yeah, that that seems that seems like sound logic. Um, no, look, I think it's amazing. Um. It's a problem. As, as you say, you can't try and block it. It's going to kill your Planeswalker. Um, it, it, um, if, you, know, it, you can't just uh, outsize it with some big 6-6 dinosaur because that dinosaur is going to die as well because of Death Touch. Yeah. So I, I think this is going to be, um, well, it, in paper anyway, it looks like it's going to be a, a mainstay of, of, of Standard. Yeah, thankfully it's legendary though and at 4 mana, so people will probably run 3 of them. Um, at most so you've just got to make sure you deal with two of them and you probably won't see the third um, personally I know I'm going to just be playing a few more what's it that uh, two mana exile this, this uh, the, yes uh, yeah. that's definitely yeah. going to be coming in a bit yeah. more against that card any yeah, of the planeswalkers interest you? Um, look I think whenever a planeswalker costs three or less it demands to be, you know, it, uh, attention to be paid to it because, yeah. uh, you know, to getting getting repeatable effects that early on the board uh, when usually your opponent um, hasn't hasn't had a board presence or doesn't have a significant board presence can be telling, um, and especially when you can get that three mana planeswalker down on turn two with something like um, Gilded Goose. Um, so I think I think uh, that um, you know. I, on the surface of it, Oko Thief of Crowns could be really interesting. Um, that's the green, blue, and a colorless. Um, and it comes into play with four, four loyalty. And it says plus two, create a food token. Um, plus one, target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green um, alt creature. So essentially uh, a Pongify uh, with power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. And then it's minus abilities, minus five, exchange control of target artifact or creature you control um, and target creature and opponent control with power three or less. So, I mean, at three mana, the ability firstly for blue or green to answer creatures that it typically can't is pretty good. Um, and then it creates these tokens and we're not sure the full extent of how good these tokens would be, but um, I think it's safe to say, given a couple of the cards that we've seen, that it's, it's going to have some bearing. So I expect this Oko Thief of Crowns to, to, to be reasonable. Yeah, they've got some use. And also, you can just turn the food token into an elk itself if you want. And, you know, that's plus two, then plus one. It's on eight. I mean, also, you can minus five, like, the next turn with, by exchanging that food token with, you know, one of the creatures that they might have. So yeah. it's definitely got quite a few different uses. I think, yeah, like you say as well, if it could come down on turn two, uh, also the Gilded Goose creates food tokens. There's also going to be so many things that create food in general or that use food. So I think Oko has potential. Um, and also just going straight up to six loyalty 
uh, if you go with the create a food token option. That's pretty strong. Three mana for a six loyalty planeswalker. Uh, plus, what is it? There's also, isn't there, that's Hydra. Uh, four, it's four mana, I think, Bio Essence Hydra. I think it might be called that. I think it might be four mana. Um, it comes mm. into play, and it gets plus one counters equal to the number of counters on planeswalkers you control. So there's also mm, potential yes, to, yes. yeah, go turn three, Oko, turn four, that. And you've all of a sudden got something like a 10-10 or something, um, which, you know, sounds pretty good. <laughs> and the other three mana planeswalker there. Um, what do you think of the scions? Will and what's the other one's name? It's uh, in Greek here. Uh, it's I've got a blue it here, the royal signs. It's a blue red planeswalker, isn't it? Yeah, well, uh, it's Will and Rowan Kenrith, I think. They were in Battlebond as uh, that's when they were first introduced. Oh, okay. So. Let's see. It's it's a blue, a uh, blue, a red in the color list. Um, it comes into play with five loyalty again. Really, really large loyalty. Yeah. Um, plus one, you loot. So draw a card, discard a card, um, and then another plus one ability. Target creature gets plus two um, and gains first strike and trample until end of turn, which is. <laughs> which is interesting. And then minus eight, draw four cards. When you do, uh, the Royal Sands deal damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. So, <laughs> again, three mana Planeswalker that's looting. Um, you know, loot, looting effects are always fantastic in, in, in any format in, just now. Especially in blue and red, uh, where, you know, wanting cards in your graveyard is pretty useful in current standard, especially, you know, you still got Crackling Drake, um, and uh, what's it's Arclight Phoenix. So this goes quite nicely with that. I think, isn't Arclight Phoenix uh, rotating though? Arclight Phoenix no, no. and, uh, are they not? No, 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 Arclight's oh, wow, definitely okay. not. Wow, and okay, so, also not. so you've got, you've got, wow, that's, you know, that's, there's an easy one there. There you go. Um, You're a so to start. Yeah. Oh, how about this? How about this? There's another card that could work quite ni nicely with this. Um, there's a card called Feasting Troll. Do you know uh, Feasting Troll? Uh, Feasting, Feasting Troll oh, it's Feasting Troll King. It's two and four green for a creature with a 7-6 oh, yeah, yeah, Vigilance yeah. and Trample. 7-6 Vigilance Trample, you know, six mana, which is, I guess, fine. But it comes into play. If you cast it from your hand, you create three food tokens, right? Um, and then it says, sacrifice three, the other ability is sacrifice three food tokens, return it from your graveyard to, to play um, during your turn, activate this ability during your turn. So there could be some cute way you could, you know, a, a blue-red, a Timur-style deck where you go first turn, Gilded Goose, second turn, uh, the Kenrith, <laughs> Kenrith guys, oh, oh, and, wow. you know, you, and you pitch this into play. And if, if, if on turn three, there's a way to um gain gain three food tokens and i'm sure there's going to be some interesting ways to do it you could reanimate this on turn three which sounds pretty good to me you know i hadn't even thought about the feasting troll king as just like its own reanimation targets like yeah <laughs> that's great i like i really like that idea because i mean i was just thinking about it you know as being the thing that you do like you know it's the new carnage tyrants essentially um yeah but yeah if you can play it on turn three that makes it a lot better yeah and, and i mean you know that 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 blue red color combination typically has those loot effects so you know um things like torment uh tormenting voice and um um oh, what's the blue one i think that might be rotating a blue and a colorless a charter course i think that's, that's oh yeah rotating. no that's 
that's where it takes out, yeah. Yeah, but it always has those type of effects, those loot effects. So I'm sure it won't be too difficult. You know, whether it's it's in a blue red uh, shell or whether it's in a more sultai oriented shell, um, we're not sure yet. But yeah, I, I could see some cool graveyard shenanigans happening with um, with this guy. Yeah, man. I was actually yeah, I definitely wasn't thinking that. Green is green is looking pretty strong. Um, a lot of people though, like with this um, the Royal Scions, they've been saying they haven't they don't like it because it doesn't protect itself. Does that worry you at all, or are you like you know you're playing it already in a deck that's probably going to have shocks? It's probably going to have uh, what's the lava coil and stuff. So you, you know you're playing removal. Do you, and it's coming down on turn three. So are you worried about it's not you know being able to protect itself? Um, I, I guess in principle it, it is a concern. That being said, it's only cost three. It comes into play with five loyalty, so you're gonna plus one it immediately. So essentially six loyalty on the first turn that comes into play. Um, yeah, I, I still think that's fine. Um, and and again as an engine, the thing, the, the way to look at this card is the engine of the heart of what you're doing. So you know, I, I think I think it could be really powerful. Again, it depends on support and what's what's available to build around with it, but it could be great. Yeah, I mean, I think there is quite a lot of the shells still around from the, you know, is it deck from the last format. And with things rotating out, who knows? There could actually be an opportunity for that deck to make a comeback, especially with some, like, you know, a turn three Planeswalker, essentially. What else are you looking yeah. at from the spoilers that's, uh, you know, got your eyes? Hmm. Lots of things. I mean, there's, there's cards with, I guess, with um, potential. And, and, you know, the interesting one, and I'm sure everyone's been talking about it already, is, um, well, there's two with, with good modern implications. There's Once Upon a Time, which, oh, is, yeah. which you know, <laughs> I mean, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a, an instant, a green, a colorless instant. Um, and it says, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card uh, from them and put it into your hand. Put the rest of the bottom of your library in any random order. Um, so it's it's literally commune. I think commune with nature, but at instant yep. speed and costs a colorless more. However, if it's the first spell that you've cast uh, in the game, um, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. And wow, you know, anytime there's a free spell um, in in Magic, you got to pay That's attention. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you you really do have to pay attention because um, yeah, that that usually leads to some silly silly states. So, I mean, uh, you know, inst immediately I, in in legacy, I'm thinking of maybe Belcher, um, one land Belcher with with this guy going is another you know is another um, to go alongside something like land grant um, could be great. Um, it could go in modern. I mean. Maybe Tron, yeah. maybe a new brand, maybe. Neo brand uh, lots like of, that I think everyone like has automatically gone like, yeah, that's the deck it's going to be in because it just makes sense. The deck, you know, wants more consistency. And now with the London Mulligan and that card, its chances of getting, you know, the pieces it needs are probably a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Neo brand is a, I don't know, it's a weird deck, man. I, I I've I've played against it so many times in Magic Online over the last few months, and I never seem to lose. They just seem to lose to themselves. Um, but yeah, this could be the, the, the piece of another piece of consistency um, to help that deck because it's ultimately all about finding Allosaurus Rider. 
and, and yep. this does a nice job of it, you know, digging five deep. So, yeah, this, you know, we'll see. You never know. I mean, the card could turn out to be really bad, but um, uh, these free spells typically always end up somehow being good, even if it's not obvious immediately or um, it somehow down the line becomes really good. So I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, I mean, because it's fail states late in the game also isn't that bad either. Like, you know, it being one more mana, you know, it doesn't hurt that much. It definitely hurts probably in modern a bit more than it hurts in standard. But in standard, that in the late game still means you're going to dig five and you're going to be able to get to a card that's probably going to help win, the, win you the game. So it, it's not a huge deck building cost, I think, in standard. I think in modern, where things are a little bit quicker, that's going to be interesting to see, you know, just how many people run and, you know, whether or not it actually has a positive effect. Yeah, and, and I think I think you're going to, you know, like any interesting shiny new toy people are going to try and I mean, another deck that it could be good in is um, is a Devoted Druid, one of these Devoted Druid decks. As you think about it, like that, that deck is all about finding a creature to combo with, right? So it's Devoted Druid, yeah. Vizier, and something else, whether it's whatever, whatever the, the, the various ways you can go about comboing, whether it's Stoneforge and the Bow, or um, yeah, or, or Walking Ballista to you know deal infant damage. This does a good job of finding that. Um, and and the opportunity cost, I guess, playing four is, is not much because, you know, even if you trim a land and you play four of these in your deck, opening hand, it's, you, you could quite easily keep a no lander, right? Like, because you play mana dorks. So presumably you've got a noble hierarch in your opening hand. You've got no land. You cast one of these off the top. You grab a, a land or in other scenarios, you've got the land and you're just looking for devoted druid uh, or vizier and, and you grab that. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty useful. Okay, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And also got a bit of modern potential, I think. Emery, Lurker of the Lock. Have you yep. seen this? It's two colorless, yep. one blue, legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. Uh, this, spell costs one, uh, this spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. And when Emery, Lurker of the Lock enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Now the big one is tap, choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn, and it's a one-two. So yeah, this even in standard could maybe have a bit of potential. I know there is that Tezzeret um, out there, but it, there's a lot of good artifacts that are actually leaving now, and I don't know how many good ones are coming in. So I don't think it's really got potential in standard at the moment. Maybe further down the line it could, but in modern, I mean. What do you see this doing? Again, it's it's one of those cards that could be really good. Um, I mean, forget the three mana. This card's going to cost one yeah, blue one in modern. Mana. It's yeah. one blue for a one-two that mulls yourself, it mulls you for four. Um, and then if it survives, can do some silly things. So, um, yeah, really interested to see how this unfolds. You know, and it's it's so easy to get to get a couple of artifacts. You know, Mishra's Bauble, um uh, you can have Mishra's Bauble and a Mox turn one, and you cast this. Uh, I mean, yep. that easy. Put four artifacts in your graveyard, and off you go. So um, really interesting to see how this um, unfolds. I mean, there's I've heard some murmurings about people talking about things like Jeskai Ascendancy um, oh, comboing yeah. off with this. So, you, you know, <laughs> I, return. I saw return. that. People were saying a play yeah. like Jeskai Ascendancy on, like, turn two or something. Yeah. 
yeah so i guess i guess huge huge uh, nice potential and i mean modern's i mean we're going to talk about that a little later so yeah modern's been uh, looks an interesting place and i think this these kind of additions will further shake things up so yeah i uh, definitely keen to see um what comes of it yeah i was actually going to say do you want to get into the state of modern at the moment uh how things like have been developing since then or is there anything else with throwing up the drain that you want to get into Oh, no, look, I mean, there's so many, I mean, okay, maybe the one we'd be remiss, remiss of us not to um, talk about it is the Murderous Rider. Uh, and oh, yes. Ben, which, which is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, Hero's downfall and the as it goes in, and then as it comes, the second half, you get a lifelinking 2-3 that just comes back. So, um, yeah, just a, just a, it's going to be a, a hallmark of standard and um, it's going to be a staple um, throughout its well, lifespan, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm assuming that's going to be an every deck that plays swamps. Like, I can't, I can't imagine it being <laughs> anything that isn't. You know, like it's just that good because it is like essentially it's card advantage because uh, you're getting two cards for the price of one, and yeah, just being able to take either creature out or taking out the planeswalker gives you that flexibility. And so I think you're going to get it in control decks because obviously, you know. It takes out stuff that you needed to take out, plus it puts a, a creature on the board. And then, you know, hell, it's 10 turn clock, but it's a 10 turn clock in a control deck. And then also, you know, in more aggressive decks, it's going to help, you know, clean up bigger threats that you need to get rid of. So, yeah, I definitely see it being in a lot of different decks. But, but I mean, even, I mean, you, you talk about the creature side of it, but just think about it. You're playing this aggressive deck. You're up against someone playing controlly midrange strategy. And the person, you know, is is killing your guys, is dealing with things. He kills a creature or planeswalker on turn four. The next turn, he play he plays the second half, or she plays the second half of this card. And now you've got a two-three life blinker that you have to get <laughs> through. You know, it's just it's a it's a really annoying card. Um, and so if you you're playing some aggressive strategy, this is going to be a real nuisance. Um, because again, like we discussed about that beanstalk rampant growth card often what happens with control decks is that you deal with their threats you deal with their threats and then you you just need something to to put on board to put on board yeah. to to so kind of close the game or, or or you know get your head somehow and something even as small as this with a two power life life care link would is enough to do the job often so yeah i think it's a um, great utility okay cool and then, yeah, let's get into the modern discussion. Now, I like have not been keeping up to date with what's going on, other than it does look like Stoneforge has taken over. Uh, we did try out fairies. Um, I, I scrapped in with you one time, and it didn't look like it went that well. How's modern been going for you? Yeah, so um, as of the last episode, I committed to um, trying some dumb fairy stuff uh, with Stoneforge Mystic, and I built a couple of decks, blue-white fairies, esper fairies, um, all with Stoneforge Mystic. Um, I did a lot of losing with the, the, the couple of leagues I played in with the, those fairy um, esper, uh, Stoneforge builds. Um, and it's, yeah, unfortunately, like I said, I, I just don't think fairies has enough punch and, and moderns moved on from where it was. Interestingly, I saw a, a tweet for Yuta Takahashi and he was saying, you know, fairies is dead type of thing. And this is the fairy master saying um, it's dead this week. So, yeah, I, I moved on quickly um, and I tried some other things. And, um, yeah, it, it's been going okay. 
Okay, well, what have you been trying? So a number of things, you know, I I, um, I, I, I tried a number of different strategies. And I say when I tried, I said I'd, I at least took a deck through a league. Um, <laughs> and the ones that were the most successful, um, Jeskai, like a, like a Jeskai Stoneforge Mystic Burn deck, um, that, that I did pretty, pretty well with. And um, Dead Shadow. Um, I okay, inter- Madu or? No, no, uh, Junt. Like old okay. school Dead Shadow. I um I saw a post and I can't remember who it was by. Um I think it was Matt Ness, and he and he posted a a Dead Shadow list and it you know it, it was a junt based Dead Shadow deck which is a throwback to I guess how it was in its initial form. Um and yeah there wasn't too much different about it. It just it just had a couple of uh, nice traverse targets from Modern Horizons. You know things like. Um, Plague Engineer, and then in the sideboard, Collect Oath, and um, yeah, just a couple of new new traverse targets, and and yeah, it was it was quite fun. So I had a lot of fun with with those two decks, uh, Jeskai and the the, the Jet Shadow deck. Um, and, and I will say, like my impression, and Modern seems a lot slower. It seems it's to me anyway. It seems the slowest it's been in many years, um, which is great, which is. Fantastic, you know. So it feels like you've got more opportunity to play your games um, and and you know take decisions that impact um, a match, opposed to just sort of dying out of nowhere, you know, on turn three, which I guess what modern was for a few years. I don't know. It's still like at at the shop, it still kind of feels that way because everyone plays mono red because it's the cheapest deck to get into. So whenever there's new players, they're almost definitely going to be playing mono red when it comes to modern, and so. Yeah, I've definitely been staying. Um, there has been some decent, like I don't, I don't know if you saw the Prowess deck uh, with what's a Blister Coil weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got smashed in the face by that the other day, so I wasn't, I, I wasn't having a good time. I was like, yeah, modern's meant to be a bit slower. I can, I can mess about a bit, and then uh, I ended up playing against two moderate decks out of three rounds. So not a good time for me, uh, for modern in real life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, funny you mentioned that Prowess deck. I forgot about it because I uh, I played um, Burn in a league as well. I tried out Burn. Uh, I don't know. Oh, it did well uh, recently online, and um, so I picked it up. And I was playing a match against that Prowess red deck, and it was quite funny. So you know, I won game one. My opponent goes turn two on the play, um, Dragon's Claw, and I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty good. I go turn two, uh, core Firewalker, um, and I proceeded to play a Firewalker at turn three and turn four as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, safely to say that uh, core Firewalker is a little bit better than uh, Dragon's Claw in that matchup. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I guess sometimes that's uh, going to happen. You just uh, run into cards that are just better than the cards you're playing. Yeah, th- th- that Prowess deck, I mean, it's it's not new. I mean, it was a thing before Hogak got banned uh, and um, Faithless Looting, and it was even better back then because it had Faithless Looting. Um, yeah. It, it, I remember it was one of the decks, actually, we, we, were, um, um, we were testing before the PT, and um, I, I guess one of Raph's teammates who wasn't there with us was saying, oh, this deck's good, you guys need to try it out. And myself, Raph, and predominantly Eduardo were playing the deck, and we were like, this is a pile of trash. And like they like they kept on saying no, it beats Hogak. Like these other guys, these other teammates. And I would be the Hogak player more often than not. 
and I just kept on beating beating them, you know, like sort of 70% of the time, 75% of the time beating that deck, and, and we just discarded it, and we we're like, no, this is a pile of trash, and so we, we left it out. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah, I I just got Smash Bros, but I'm playing a janky deck in real life anyway, so I don't think uh, I can have any sort of real understanding of what's going on in modern at the moment. Uh, by the way, you're going to GP Ghent. Uh, what is the format there? No, so I'm not going so to GP not. Ghent. So, oh. so I, I on on the weekend I was I was actually in Cambodia. Um, it's it's an hour away. Um, so we popped over for the weekend, and then some of, one of my mates he messaged me and he's like, hey, we short we need a teammate. Uh, can you make it? And you know, um, it looked like I was gonna go, but. Uh, unfortunately, things didn't um, didn't uh, work out. Um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, it's no no longer on the agenda anymore, unfortunately. Oh damn! So you're you're basically just playing for fun at the moment. Yeah, to, uh, for fun and uh, to see what's happening, you know, and um, you know, to tell people about the experience and you know what's what's good out there. I will say the one thing so that I a, yeah, sorry. That's what I was, was going to actually ask you. I was going to say, what are you like actually enjoying at the moment? Because you said you had those two decks. You had the Jeskai deck and uh, Death Shadow deck. So what else are you enjoying at the moment? So those are the main two? Or is there yeah something else in the format that's got your interest peaked? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I've always... I've, I've enjoyed um, Death Shadow over the years, you know, over various iterations. So I probably am a little biased, but I, I, I think it's... It's heaps of fun to play. So if you're looking for a fun deck that that is still good, I really recommend it. Um, I, I think Blue White Stoneforge Mystic um, is is a good deck. Um, it's 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 a reasonable deck. Um, and um, Urza, Urza. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, depending, you know, whether it's uh, some some people are playing Stoneforge in it, some people are playing the Goblin Engineer. Um, I don't think you can go too wrong either way. I think the deck's very good, very difficult to play, to play optimally. Um, so yeah, if you're gonna play that deck, I suggest you get in some good reps with it because it is it is tricky and there are there are lines that um, you know will lose you the game really quickly if you don't take the optimal play. Oh, that reminds me. I've been playing Kethis and Standard uh, on Arena just to just because I won't. There's only a, like a few, you know, like two weeks left essentially to be able to play the deck before it rotates out but boy i have made a lot of decisions that uh, afterwards i'm like that was definitely not the right thing to do in this situation but over time of uh you know over the last week basically i've managed to get like a fairly decent understanding of the deck and like get the win rates up with it so i'm enjoying it quite a lot it's a bummer that it's like this deck that can only exist for a short period of time oh man like, have you seen have you seen the Kethis deck at all? I've I've seen it, yeah, and and I think it's a good thing that it only exists for a short period of time. It looks too good. It just looks really too good, and uh, yeah, it's probably a good thing that it's going. To be honest. Yeah, like thankfully it is a difficult deck to play, and thankfully like there's a lot that you have to do. So I haven't seen a lot of it on Arena, thankfully, and also people mm. scoop pretty early against you sometimes uh, when you know you don't necessarily have it. Um, which is also quite a nice benefit of the deck. You know, it's like that same thing, like when you're playing against someone who's uh, got a bunch of Nexus of Fates in the deck, and they might not necessarily have it, but they're close enough that you're like, yeah, I'm just going to concede here. 
And I think you, you get a few of those wins with Kethis as well. Sure, sure. I, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, in, yeah. In, in modern, what else uh, yeah, are you enjoying? Um, I, to be honest, those, those, are, those are probably it. Um, I haven't, um, I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks. So I've tried quite a few, I think quite a few decks in a short space of time. Um, but I, I will say that I think um, just from playing matches and playing against certain decks, I think that Amulet, Amulet looks decent. Um, Amulet Titan looks pretty decent. Uh, and again, um, that um, that free free spell in time or what is it? Once upon a time or whatever. Once, the, time, whatever it's, yeah. once upon a time, yeah. I think that could have some implications there to that deck, and um, it looks good. So yeah, I, I played against it a few times, and the deck has looked better than I remembered it being. So yeah, uh, I, I think that's one 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 to to keep an eye out on. Okay, cool. Uh, I was saying that, you know, like, uh, I hate that I'm not going to be able to play this Kethis deck for that much longer, but that's a bit of a lie because there's a new format coming to MTG Arena called Historic. Now, I know you don't know a ton about it, but basically it's a new format starting from Ixalan. Um, that's, they, they, they've created it so that people don't complain about, you know, losing their cards uh, when Standard rotates out. And they've made a few controversial decisions when it comes to this new format. Uh, the one being that it's going to cost you two wild cards instead of one to get the older cards. And two, they're going to actually be bringing in older set or older cards from older sets, but not entire sets like people were expecting. Uh, do you have any thoughts and opinions on this? Mm, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Like they you know people it feels bad right that's one of the things magic magic is, is a great game but one of the things that a lot of people have complained about or um yeah complained about over time i guess is that you know you always have to get new cards and you're losing you're losing value or you're losing just the ability to play with some of your favorite old cards and i guess that's why older formats exist so i guess it makes sense for them to introduce something of that sort on arena to to keep people happy so yeah it kind of makes sense but the the controversial side of it, the you know doubling. So the thing is, they've doubled the n- number of wild cards, which most people yeah. say they're they're only doing that so that you don't necessarily want to you know do it, because it'll keep you playing standard because standard is cheaper. Um, kind of like the opposite of what happens you know in real life where people get into modern because it's a stable format that you don't have to keep buying wild cards for. Well real cards for essentially this is now a format where they're going to be also introducing cards regularly that you're now going to have to pay two wild cards to get to be able to play and they're going to be bringing in cards that are selected and put in the game where the only way you can get them will be through wild cards so it just seems like such a blatant cash grab in that regard and it also seems like a weird way to have a format where you can introduce 15 to 20 cards into the format at a time. Uh, personally, I was hoping, you know, that they would have started this as something that would be a new, you know, type of modern like thing. So you'd have your vintage, legacy, modern, historic, standard, and that would be a way to keep, you know, people playing in various different formats. Because there are new players who don't get into modern because you got to get cards from 2001, you know, if you want to be able to play in modern sometimes. And that can be a struggle for someone who's literally just been playing for the last two years. 
But something like Historic, beyond Arena, has so much potential to keep players playing and to keep, you know, collections valuable, to keep the, you know, in real life, uh, keeping cards, because cards like from Kaladesh and onwards, are, you know, there's some really, really good cards that if they were in their own format with cards from now, would probably have, you know, a fantastic metagame in its own right. But I think the way they're doing this just is going to... I don't know. In the beginning, it's going to create too short a pool of cards. And then the way they're going to add cards is going to be able to have them drastically shift it in a way that will then make people have to buy cards um, rather than, you know, just having a format that people already have all the cards for uh, in real life. And then, you know, online would be able to maybe draft them. Uh, you know, you bring in old drafts for older sets. And then that that's the cool way that people can then get those cards I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts on it at the moment. Yeah, but I think you need to make an important distinction between, you know, Arena and Paper Magic or the rest of it. Arena and Magic Online and Paper. And and I think it's largely largely very different um, target markets um, at, at the two games. And so I, I don't think they necessarily should... Um, have another new format across the board and all platforms, um, all, all formats of Magic. Because where do you draw the line? Because as you say, yeah, there's some other cards, that, you know, for past few years that are pretty good. So let's create a new format. Then a few years down the line, you're gonna say we're gonna say the same thing. Oh, you know, um, uh, Throne of Eldraine was such a good standard. Why don't we have another format? You know, so. Well, in another I, 10 sure. years, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I do think, like, every 10 years, we should probably have a new, like, format that's, you know, about the most recent sets. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of Magic, because Magic cards go through... Like, there's so many different design philosophies since, you know, Modern started. And, like, it's an awesome format, and I love that, you know, Modern exists, I love that Legacy exists, I love that Vintage exists. But I also think that, you know, cards created with modern design philosophies, it would be cool to just see them shine in their own space. Like, that's just, like, my own, like, personal wants, I guess. And, you know, I can't be putting that on to, like, everyone. But at the same time, I just think the actual format of Historic, it doesn't look like they've given it that much care. Um, you know, because there was a lot that they could have done, and instead they've just gone and, I think done the easiest thing and just said, no, nah, this is what it is from, you know, from what we're doing now is what we're doing. That's it. So we're not going back when they've already got the cards on arena, you know, that can make this format better from the start. Like they've got parts of Kaladesh, they've got Amonkhet, they can make a cool format. Uh, instead, it's going to start off as a very dull format because it's just going to be current standard plus Thronable Drain. And then slowly they'll, you know, bleed in new cards. And I just don't see that being something enticing. Um, I don't know how many people are going to be that interested in playing that format. But we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. And I mean, yeah, they, they've said they don't have any intention of it being a paper thing. So maybe it's something I just don't even need to worry about, like in terms of that. I can just sometimes play it online because I'll be able to play Kethos, you know. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um. Yeah, so you just you just reminded me um, by mentioning the sets, Kaladesh and whatever else. Um, I guess the reason, if you just take a step back and maybe think about it um, from their perspective, that is a 
a time with a lot of bannings and 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 standard. Um, yeah, and that's all. Those cards back. <laughs> yeah, but that that that's. I mean, what's the point? What's the point of having cards that are just too good and gonna warp gonna warp an environment? So I kind of get it. I don't it. know. Have you I mean, played modern? Like, sorry, you can. Yeah, like even modern's got cards that are ridiculously powerful, like that you know you can counteract. And I think with enough time or with enough cards, like you can definitely counteract a lot of stuff that was in Kaladesh, like, you know, with cards that are around now. Like, I think it would be interesting to see Kaladesh versus, you know, Ravnica block. Like, I definitely, like, I think there could be some, you know, interesting interactions there. I don't know how, <coughs> excuse me, how powerful, you know, it really would be in comparison to a lot of the stuff that you're seeing now. Because there's a lot of power creep that's been happening uh, ever since. But I guess the synergy side of Kaladesh was what made it so damn ridiculous. Dude, energy. Energy was a mistake. Yeah. And 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 you know I just uh, want to play Wanda Constrictors, man. That's it. Like I just I listen, just want to play a pull collector turn one, Wanda Constrictor turn two. Those cards are meant to be played together. Oh, uh, okay. Well, listen, man, you're not getting any sympathy from me. I, I, I had to play that damn energy format at like the world the world uh, cup that year. And it was just a bloody hassle playing energy mirrors and and they were great fun they were great fun yeah but match after match it was energy mirror energy mirror you know and it's just it's that's not how that's not how any environment should be where it's that warped where you've got clearly the best archetype and everyone goes on you know plays it and and don't forget that's after they already banned sahili um this uh, felida guardian sahili combo got banned um etherworks marvel got banned um, was that the same format with Smuggler's Copter and Reflective Mage getting banned as well in that similar period? So you had like yeah. a record amount of standard bannings. Oh, no, dude. No thanks. Doesn't that sound like a perfectly good set to start a format with? Like <laughs> your, your idea and my idea are perfectly good. I think it's very different. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, though. Uh, cool. Lastly, you wanted to talk a bit about the Hall of Fame uh, voting processes and stuff. I uh, take it you're not really a big fan of the Hall of Fame. Personally, I like. I think it's cool that you know there is a Hall of Fame and whatever. And I think it mattered a bit more back in the day when I don't know, like players just seemed more mythical and like. It was a weird thing. Like, you know, to me, guys like Carbud and Joan Finkel, you know, being in the Hall of Fame make total sense. But seeing, like, younger players who are still playing today on the Hall of Fame, like, that's a little weird to me. Like, I'm, like I don't understand, the, like, that being the concept of a Hall of Fame. Because to me, a Hall of Fame is people who have done things forever and, you know, are, like, older now and, like kind of done with the game you know that's when you put people into a hall of fame like you look at any sports in the history there's very few people who are in the hall of fame and still playing the game so i think magic's got a very weird system in general when it comes to the hall of fame um and also i just don't really care like i think it's cool for those guys but personally it's not something i strive towards or can even achieve so i don't care but for you What's what's your thoughts and opinions? Yeah, look, look, it's not that I, I mean, it's kind of similar to yours. It's not that I don't like it. I think it's great. It, it, it's great that it, it's a thing. And I guess your comparison to sports and like players retiring. Yeah, that kind of makes sense that once someone's done playing, then, you know, that's how it usually happens in the sporting context. 
Um, but the problem with that is, you you know, in magic, you, you can, there's no, um, you know, your athletic ability isn't disappearing. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's all about the mind. So yeah, the mind not, may not be as sharp um, as you, as you get a little older, but you're still able to compete. And especially if you're one of the best players in the game, you're still going to be, you're going to do just fine uh, and, and well even. So it makes it tricky. So at what point do you then say, okay, this person is eligible to be in the hall of fame, you know? Um, I don't know, at the age of like 35 onwards, yeah. Like I'd say there's an age thing or being playing for a certain amount of years, like being playing for 15 years or something. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think that would be a reasonable start. Like because, yeah, I think tenure matters like when it comes to a Hall of Fame. Like, you know, unless you had like an absolute like record-breaking like two or three years in a row, like that just you know, is phenomenal and is something that will be in, you know, history books forever, you know, then, yeah, like, then that also makes sense. Then you can, you know, bypass the time it takes. But I don't know, like, I definitely think you have to be playing Magic for quite a long time and be at the top of the game for quite a long time to be able to qualify for something like a Hall of Fame. Sure, but, I mean, in, in essence, that's what they do, right? It's it's a minimum of 10 years playing. Um but the problem is the way the nature of magic and the way it's gone is that, you know, typically people start when they're quite young. And exactly. So when you're like 16. Yeah. You, you know, you're 16, 13, 15, whatever the case is. And so suddenly this person's been playing for 10 years and they're 25 years old. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 they, and, you know, and they've done really well. And suddenly you've got a 25 year old in the Hall of Fame and it kind of doesn't make sense, you know, to some degree. But I get it. Like, how do you at what point do you... Um, uh, you, you draw the line, but yeah, yeah, I guess it's it's a small graph, and it's just like that. That means just the optics of it, you know. It's not even a real thing. Like I've got issues with, like I just think it's a weird and like funny little idiosyncrasy of the Magic Hall of Fame that yeah, you can have someone who's essentially still a kid uh, being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and like so, if you compare it to sports, and again, I think it's it's a, the Hall of Fame idea is a very American idea, as far as I'm aware, and not. As far as I'm aware, none of, I guess, cricket, football, whatever, has has that kind of uh, system to it. And so if I think back to, if I compare it to, I don't know, the UFC, you know, um, take a fighter, I don't know, uh, Michael Bisping, he retires. And, you know, they're like, ah, oh, great career, he was a champion, etc. This guy's now in the Hall of Fame. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it completely makes sense. But, yeah, I, I don't know how you get around that. It is a bit weird in Magic that you still have guys very much at the peak of their careers um still going and, and in the hall of fame but i do yeah, think it's it cool i do think it's a cool it's cool incentive for people to go to and it, and it gives a it's almost like a role model thing right i've seen it i've been at events where like you see these great players and i see like kids and um not even kids just random players go up to these guys and ask for photos and get so excited oh my god i got a photo with kai or you know whoever it is and, and it's great it's cool so people get excited over these things you know heck even though, I mean, the first time oh, it's I fantastic met somebody, branding. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's just a good tool. And I mean, even me, I mean, I, when it's the first time I met some of these guys, I was also excited, you know? So uh, I think it's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. I just, my biggest thing is, I guess this, if you follow like um, every year, it's the same thing um, and on Twitter. And there's this, this, this large contingent that sort of somehow comes up on, on one's timeline. And they're always, you know, a, a sort of anti, um, the, the people who've been um, had 
I guess, infractions, DCI infractions over the years for whatever reason, right? Um, you know, guys like um, um, Saito and Marcio Cavallo and um, I guess yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of others. And so this, this big brigade who are like out, it's like a witch hunt that goes around every year. And I mean, last year, I remember it was Li Shi Tian that who, he, fortunately, he got into the Hall of Fame. He's a great player, but like people were there sort of coming up, oh, no, once he... Um, he tried to game me and maybe he was playing slow or whatever, you know, whatever yeah, the ridiculous I, I accusations that. are. Yeah, so every year it comes out, it's this bullshit thing that comes out. And what ends up happening, I think, again, it's a North American-based company. The majority of the players are in North America. And I feel like there's a huge bias there. Um, there's this typical North American bias. You know, it's, it's easier. It is easier to to have an affinity for someone that you know, that can speak the same language as you. Um, I mean, you there's know, also just friendship. a bias... There's also just the bias and North Americans have more opportunities to get the qualifications to make it into, you know, the Hall of Fame sure. in the first place. So, like, someone like you or me, like, we're saying, like, it's not something we could even do because the chances of us getting to play in the number of tournaments to qualify for the tournaments to make it into this thing are so hard. And even for the players from overseas who do manage to do it. You know, you look at the guys from South America, you look at the guys from Asia and that, you know, they also don't get to necessarily play as many GPs, as many pro tours as these other guys. So they might not necessarily be getting the same number of results as these other guys at times. Yeah, so so you've got all of these things that factor into it. But, you know, I just find it, I find it ridiculous. At the end of the day, if someone specifically on this DQ, people with DQ, uh, who've been DQ to have these infractions on their record have been suspended. At the end of the day, if Wizard says these people are allowed to play Magic and you feature them in, you know, whether it's your MPL or your Pro Tours or whatever, they're great players and they keep on doing well. Sure, they've made mistakes in the past. Wizard says it's okay to play. Why do, why are the players allowed then um, who are allowed to vote, say, no, these guys can't get in. It's it's kind of silly, right? It, it it just, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. So you have these guys with incredible records, uh, uh, just amazing resumes who aren't in the Hall of Fame. And then you've got guys with like half the accomplishment. I'm talking st- purely from a statistical point of view, you know, whether it's PT top eights or whatever the case is. And they get in, um, but some of these other guys don't. And I just I just find it really strange. It's really strange that the, essentially the players are allowed to decide who, who gets in. You, so you're, as peers, you are voting who gets to go in to this sort of the biggest, the highest level of achievement in the game. And I think it, it's quite, I think it leads to some flawed um, results. I'm 100% with you there, man. Like, uh, and, uh, like something I deal with in my, my other career in stand-up comedy is there's mm. actually the Comics Choice Awards and yeah. I won't enter them because of very similar reasons that you bring up um, just because of the fact that yeah it's a popularity contest at the end of the day like when you have the people within the thing voting for stuff a lot of personal issues come up a lot of um, yeah just in general like grudges and stuff that you know the people have been hold, hold, harboring uh, on to on onto for years, they then bring up you know when it comes now to time to vote. Like you're saying with Lee Tien, last year a lot I saw that a lot of people were coming up with these stories and that, and I was just like, why did you not say anything about this? You know, a little bit sooner. It's a little bit weird that you're now suddenly trying to attack this dude when he's up for something important. 
Yeah, it it's it just it boggles the mind, man. It, it boggles the mind, and it's uh, I just find it I just find it really strange. And at the end of the day, there there are lines that are kind of gray, right? So one of the offenses I know that you can get uh, is slow play, right? So you can get DQ'd, and and I know there are people on that ballot who've been DQ'd, um, is essentially for slow play. Um, so being one nil up in a game, and then you know changing your pace of play. Um, so that maybe it's a control mirror and there's five minutes left. So you just want to make sure that you win the game. And I'll offer you this. How is intentionally slow playing different to it's game two? There's 10 minutes left on the clock in my control mirror or whatever the case is. I take out all my win conditions and I bring in, I don't know, random defensive cards or whatever, anything, anything else out of my sideboard so that I don't have clunky six drops, seven drops, five drops, in my in my opening hand and i'm not going to get stuck on mana and that sort of thing essentially you're doing the same thing right you have changed uh, but you're doing it within it. the no 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 yeah, but, but it's the same you're thing doing it right? within the frame of the game like okay. the thing is so the framework taking... allows allows you to 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 essentially that's what you're doing that's you have no intention of winning the game you have no intention of winning the games you're taking out all your expensive stuff all your win cons and 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 big dumb stuff and you're just there to see how to draw. The intention is 100% the same. It might be... Yeah, I mean, but you can framework. still win that game by milling. Like, that's the thing. You well, can still argue. You're not going to win a game by milling. You're not going to win it. Come on. <laughs> let's be. Let's let's live in the real world. Yeah, Let's not live in this hypothetical world. I have won. <laughs> I don't know if you heard. I've been playing Kethus. So I've been winning quite oh a few games by milling lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, man. I just, I just, think, it's, I just think it's weird. And I, I, I think, you know, like let's let's not all act you know holier than thou and you know want to witch hunt people and I, I again i think it's it's just so much easier when a person speaks the same language as you or, or it's their first language it's so much easier for you to hit it off with that person right and and maybe if you'd known i don't know it, whoever's been accused of whatever you'd know them and then you think oh, actually this is not a bad dude that's how we are right we have this bias and suddenly oh this guy's actually a cool guy you know what it's not that big a deal and then this campaign against this person doesn't happen. And all of a sudden, this person's in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, the guy maybe speaks Japanese as a first language or Mandarin or whatever the case is. And suddenly, oh, no, he must have been cheating. He's just, you know, he's a bad dude. And so that person just gets denied an opportunity. So I don't know, man. I just I think it sucks. I think it sucks. I hate unjust systems. And I think that's an unjust system. I'm 100% with you there, man. It just sucks that internal biases like affect something like this, especially when Magic's a game that what's so dope about it is that we can play it in different languages, that we can interact, that someone can, you know, come and sit down against me and we cannot speak a word of the same language together and we can play a game of Magic. That's one of the dopest things about it. And yeah, it sucks that, you know, one of those things about it that, you know, we all are interacting also has a negative side that there are also power imbalances in terms of, yeah, there's a Western-dominated game. And so that's going to have the effects that that has. Uh, but we're going to move on from that now. And we're going to look forward to next week, uh, for myself in particular, I'm going to be playing at uh, Comic-Con. I'm also going to be emceeing uh, the magic events for the Africa magic... I can't remember the exact ordering, but the words <laughs> Africa 
Magic the Gathering and Open Series are all together. I think it might be in that order, or the Africa might be somewhere in the middle, or the Magic might be somewhere else. But all those words are together, and there's going to be four days, I think, of Magic the Gathering happening at Comic-Con Africa this year. And I'm really looking forward to it because there is 3,000 Rand prize money per tournament. So each day there's three grand uh, for first place, plus a bunch of other prizes. So what do you think I should be playing for this tournament? There's Modern, there's Standard, and then there's going to be Pauper as well as an Arena tournament. So what are you thinking? Huh. Well, first thing I'm thinking, it sucks that I'm missing it because, well, I'm still in Thailand at the moment. Um, it sounds like a really cool event. Um, yeah, I mean, Standard. I mean, if, I, I, I mean, if you've been playing Kethys, I think it's dumb and um, it's the best deck. So just run it back. Just run it back yeah, in I'm paper. Gonna... I'm definitely going to do that for Arena. It's just getting the cards for paper. I don't think I'm going to be able to do. I'm thinking for paper, I'm going to look like I can borrow enough to get the... Because I've been playing like a blue-white control deck, like just for fun here. Uh, but I can transfer that into an Esper control deck, I think. Um, I've have just been enjoying, enjoying that at the moment. And it might be the easiest deck for me to build. Dude, you need to be able to put out the bat signal. You, for years, I didn't have. Um, there was a period where I didn't have standard stuff. Still, really, I don't really have a lot of standard stuff now. <laughs> and I just rock up and I'll be like, you know, just ask, post on groups and friends, and you know, I have some good friends who always just help me out with whatever deck. So you just need to find yeah. uh, find those people I, I, to answer the call, man. I used to have more confidence with that. I think I think I'll try. I mean, the Kethos deck. Uh, no, yo, it's a lot of stuff I don't actually have. Um, but I'll see. I'll I'll put out word and I'll see what I can do because it would be fun to actually play that in paper. Um, I think it would be a lot more fun playing that in paper than it would be playing it online because online it is a lot of clicking. Um, but it's still mm. like it's such like it's a really cool deck to play. It's a really challenging deck to de play, but also at times it's super just easy. Like you can get turn four wins like fairly regularly with the deck, and being able to do that in standard is super strong. Um, yeah. Well. Well, listen, listen, we've got a podcast, we've got an audience, so I guess we, you know, put put the call out there. Let's <laughs> see if our listeners can can help you out. So anyone's uh, listening there and can help old Bob out with uh, with the Kethys deck, we'd be really grateful. I guess, what are our listeners called? Sharkies? Hey? Sharkies. <laughs> Sharkies and George. I don't know. Do you remember Crampuses <laughs> of the yeah. Sea? Oh, yeah. There you go. So Sharkies and George, we've got a, there's a, there's a, there's a problem here. Yeah, there's a dilemma and you need you to solve it. So I'll help a brother out here. Oh man, that would be amazing if I could actually play Kethis that thing. I'll even yeah, like I'll I'll let people I don't know, we can we can talk in the DMs about a cut of my winnings. because uh, if you give me Kethis, I'm I'm gonna be walking home with like three grand. I'm gonna be looking it. forward to that. I love the fighting talk. <laughs> I don't know, man. The deck is super, super strong. Like you say, it's and an, I, yeah, like, the, it, you, you can just lose sometimes, which is a problem with any combo deck. Um, obviously, that's one of the things that happens. But if you can get yourself, you know, to turn four or five, you usually can, you know, make the game go long enough that you're going to start winning. Because just with Oath of Kaya and Teferi in general, I think I just love that combo um, of cards together for the next year. Like, I'm going to be playing Oath of Kaya and Teferi next to each other with whatever I do. I was looking at the... Uh, well, I was playing Soltar Flash for a little bit, and I was enjoying that for a while. And I'm looking at the future of Standard, and it looks like, you know, the Simbic Flash deck might be strong. But I just look at Teferi and I go, yeah, I should just play that instead. 
because that just beats all of those. So <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going to be playing Teferi for the next year. Um, yeah, doesn't sound like a bad idea. It's just a good card. It's just a really, really good card. Yeah, and I'm also, I just think the Oath of Kaya, like, I think it's a grossly underrated card at the moment. I mean, I've been doing silly things with it. Like uh, like I was saying, in the best of one queue, I've been playing that Esper deck, and, like, you know, just having one Commander Dreadhorde in the deck is all you need, because between Oath of Kaya and Teferi and that, you're going to be at, like, 30 life most of the time, and then eventually you get to your command, and then eventually you win. It's, like, just, yeah, I've been, I've been seeing some interesting things in terms of that. But in terms of modern, what's what should I be looking at? Ah, man, you know, I, I think modern's um, pretty wide open. Um, play anything that's reasonable, man. Anything that's reasonable that's in your wheelhouse that you, you, you're confident you're going to play somewhat well. You know, whether it's... Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, Stoneforge, Blue-White, Jeskai sounds good. I think Dead Shadow is good. Um, yeah, I, I, really, whatever you're comfortable with, and 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 um, you know, it's it's ultimately it's about percentage points, right? Knowing your deck, and and playing it well. Okay, can I give you uh, an idea? Um, yeah. Since since my cathartic re- not cathartic reunion's gone, uh, what was it again? <laughs> just faithless looting just got yeah. banned. I've been thinking about what to replace in Marty Pyromancer. Yes, Marty Pyromancer, the deck that's at least two or three years old and hasn't won anything in a long time. Um, I've been looking at Cabal Therapist, man, because that card is actually really good, and I don't think people understand, like, what it really does. Like, if it doesn't die, like, you're taking, so you first turn, you go, like, you play that turn one, turn two, you can Thoughtseize or, and play, like, another one, and you sack the other one, you're getting two cards out of their hand. Anytime you've got multiple tokens in play, you're playing that a little bit later, you already know what's in the hand from your Thought Seizers, from your Inquisition of Kozilex. You're sacking a token and you're getting rid of something else from the hand each time. Like, it's pre-combat main phase, so it's basically a hasty, like, ability. So you can do it the turn that it comes into play. That ability goes on the stack. So, I don't know. Like, I, I've been looking at that card and going, there's a lot not being done with this at the moment. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe you're onto something. Or, instead of playing Mardu Pyromancer, get rid of that Pyromancer uh, shell and just throw in the Dead Shadow and play Mardu Dead Shadow, which is, I think it's, I think it's a very good deck. And, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of similar pieces in terms of hand disruption, removal, etc. I think very good deck. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to be playing Thought Seasers. I want to be playing Fatal Pushes. I want to be playing... Yeah, Lingering Souls, so I don't know. I won't be playing Lingering Souls with the Death Shadow, but uh, yeah, I can actually mm. take a look at that. Uh, maybe you could uh, let me some of the cards online and I can give it a test run, and then we can take it from there. And then the last format is going to be Pauper, and I know you know nothing about it, so I think I'm just going to be borrowing a deck from Jacques and uh, hoping for the best there. Because Jacques uh, from HQ Gaming, he's the one who's actually running everything He's, they've been doing a lot of cool pauper events at their shop, and they've got a bunch of pauper decks. I managed to play there the last time I was in, up in Pretoria, and mm. uh, they gave me the, the Is It Scred deck, which is a really fun deck. You're basically just playing like Fairy, Miscreants, and uh, Stealth Spider Scrats. Scrats? No, Sprites. No. And yeah. uh, then you did, you're ninjutsuing them in, well, you're ninjutsuing that uh, Ninja of the Deep Powers, so you could, like, mm. that's Delva. And then everything's just um, snow-covered islands and snow-covered uh, mountains. 
And then, yeah, you're just hitting things with Scred and Lightning Bolts and basically just tempo your opponents out. It's a nice, simple, fun deck uh, that I quite enjoyed. So I think if I can use that again, I'm going to be playing that. Okay. Yeah, uh, sounds sounds um, sounds interesting. Um, yeah, I have never... I don't think I've ever played Pauper just ever. So I, I, def- yeah. I definitely think you should. It's, uh, it's a good format. It's actually... A very challenging format. There's a lot of it's a lot of stuff to think about, like in every game that you're playing, basically. Um, I think it's a quite it's there's a lot of powerful stuff. There's a lot of strong cards. There's cards that are banned in other formats in Pauper. So, yeah, I think maybe one day, like like we were saying last time, you know, if there is any PT, if there are any PTQs or anything like that that you need to enter for Pauper, I can definitely give you a quick crack, crash course and uh, get you up to date with it. And I think once you play it, I think you'll quite enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. There, there are some yeah. cool cards available in it, so yeah. But yeah, what are, your, what are your plans for the next week or two? Well, um, not too much. Um, look, I've got a, lot, a fair amount of free time when I'm here. So as I said, I was enjoying um, Modern. Uh, and 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 fooling around with the different decks, so I'll probably, you know, play a bit more and try out some new decks maybe um, in the next couple of weeks. And obviously, there's a pre pre-release. I think what's it in two weeks time? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I've got. I'm actually in uh, Malaysia that weekend. I'm in Kuala Lumpur that weekend. So um, I'll see. I'll, I I haven't played a pre-release for quite some time. I don't think. Um, so I'd like to play the pre-release there if I can. I think my girlfriend wants to go shopping one of the days. So, yeah, if she if, I, if she's off shopping, then and I can find a store nearby. I'll uh, definitely go to a pre-release there. That should be fun. Yeah, I've been to. I think I've only missed one pre-release since I've been back into Magic. So they're one of the things that I definitely like. I have to go to. You know, like it's. I I miss a lot of in life. You know, in real life uh, tournaments these days. But pre-releases are just like that cool tradition. It's always fun to just open up, you know, packs, build a sealed deck, play against other people, go, oh, what does that do? Ah, oh, cool, mm. you know, what did you open? It's just such yeah. a fun experience. So I'm totally on board there, and I'm definitely going to try and make the one here in Durban. And then, yeah, like I said, I'm going to be at Comic-Con. Um, mm. Really looking forward to seeing some listeners there. I know that some people who listen to this podcast are going to be there, so that's going to be cool. Um, and I'm just looking forward to getting like, what is it, like four shots to win three grand. Uh, that's pretty cool. And there's also there's just good prizes throughout, you know, like I think like the top 16 or top 32, depending on how many people enter, are getting some pretty good prizes. So it's going to be fun to compete again for some, you know, decent prizes. Because in Durban, if you get more than two boosters, uh, you you had a good good night at the office. And uh, <laughs> that's... Uh, you know, not not always worth leaving your house for sometimes. So it's going to be quite cool to go to Josie. And just also, you know, I think it's going to be fun to see, you know, the South African nerd community because we've been a part of this for long before it was ever cool. <laughs> like, not just magic, but nerd culture in general. Um, you know, like, I don't think we could have ever imagined something like Comic-Con being in South Africa. We had Icon, you know, back in the day. And, you know, there's always been rage and stuff like that. But, yeah, something like Comic-Con just always seemed 
too far away especially when you know you've got stuff like wizards of the coast never bringing stuff to south africa they brought a gp here once and you know never again so i like that a like guys are doing stuff locally like with comic-con uh, like guys, guys like Jacques, and you know actually using it as a platform to since wizards aren't bringing you know big tournaments here to host one themselves and it's also just cool that something like comic-con is coming to south africa and you know there's going to be just this big convergence of all different manner of nerds and geeks and yeah i'm really really looking forward to it man you know the, the funny thing is um i saw you know my facebook feed like which just randomly pops up with comic-con and you know people with guests and so forth and then i see william shatner's there and like I, 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 I think he's famous for like Star Wars or something. I don't know, one of those Star things. Oh, you, you are just triggering people on purpose. You just did what? that on purpose. Did what you know it's Star Trek. You know it's Star Trek. Dude, I couldn't tell you the first thing about Star Trek. I literally okay. could not tell you. I know William Shatner as Denny Crane from Boston Legal. Yes. That's what I know him from. I love the guy. And I'm like, shit, he's gonna be there. That would be cool to get a picture with old Denny Crane. Yeah, no, William Shatner's been in a lot of dope stuff. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people would know him from Star Trek. There's a big difference. I mean, I mean, I know Star Wars has a... I know, I know Star Wars fairly well. <laughs> as in, oh, yeah, no, most of them, right? So, No, they're... Like, Trekkies are definitely, I think, more fanboyish about what they like, but they're cooler about it. Uh, Star Wars is definitely the more mainstream like you know puppy side of things and you know i like both um i'm more of a star wars guy myself but i can imagine a few people got triggered there uh when, when you mentioned that william shatner was in star wars on both sides of the coin uh, listen man people... if if that if that triggers you you don't have enough problems in life let me tell you 100 <laughs> percent. that means you just have an easy life if that's going to piss you off so yeah, yeah, you're listening to Magic you're in a good spot. podcast, getting pissed off about uh, Star Trek and Star Wars trivia. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, you know that I'm not the guy to host the Star Wars or Star Trek trivia show. So yeah, never gonna happen. Yeah, next year. So I'm not putting you on my team next year for because at Icon by the Sea, uh, every year they have a cool quiz. It's a nerd quiz essentially with like geek culture and everything. And uh, I guess I'm not putting you on my team. Well, I'm nerdy about like cricket and football and fighting and you know. <laughs> so I can help you're with certain dirty. Things. So you're dirty about jock things. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I guess when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, failed, 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 uh, failed nerd. I guess. Oh man, you should uh, get into like Moneyball stuff. You could be like Jonah Hall in that movie. That would oh, yeah, be like money- the. The ultimate oh, usage of your nerdiness. Yeah, ex- except I'm not gonna. I, I'm not a. I'm not a stats guy. I'm not an actuary. You know. I, I think that's uh, that Moneyball whole thing. That that is that is a hell of an interesting thing. But yeah, I think you you need to be uh, more on the actuary side. So like a a good pal Tienz, uh, he'd he'd be okay in that that line of work. But yeah, maybe in another uh, life. Uh, I guess it also that that may, uh, makes sense why he's so good at magic because he actually understands the number side of it pretty well. Me, I just use those tools. Like I don't know, like in uh, MTG Arena, they've got like overlays and stuff, and so I've got like one that just lets me know. Cool, you got about a forty percent ch- chance of drawing a land now. And I'm like, thank you. I, I needed what? to know that. Oh, did you not really? know that? Yeah. Oh no, 
I've never seen anything like that ever. Oh yeah, no, like there's dope, like little overlays and stuff. It'll tell you, like, so I've got my deck list and stuff, like there, so I can see like how many of like a card I've got left on the deck and like what are my chances. It's pretty good when you've got like a Tamio out and you need to know, like, oh, that's got a 10% chance of hitting. Cool, I'm gonna yeah. name that. That's bullshit. That's 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 doping. That's game doping, man. That's the equivalent of doping. That's the equivalent of having a, you know, taking a hit of whatever, some good stuff. It's like you launch Armstrong it yeah, man. Hey, whilst it's legal, I'm gonna do it. Like, man, that's it's that's crazy, right? But but like uh, that, now that now that you mention it, it's actually yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. It's like I just no, saw no, it no. as a useful tool. No, no, and, and I'm, I'm you know I'm saying these things in jest, but it's the same as online poker um, versus you know the actual live poker. You know where where there are tools and programs and that record. You can buy data that record, has recordings of different players on different platforms and, you know, they play patterns and betting patterns. It's the same kind of thing, right? It's a similar yeah. kind of thing. So so someone who's good online um, might not be good on a, on a real poker table because there's, it takes away a whole aspect of the game. So there's a parallel there with, with sort of online magic versus in-person magic. And often, um, yeah, it just doesn't translate. It's a different set of skills, I, I, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But also, you kind of get to know the numbers like fairly well, like through playing it. So like, sure, you you see it pretty often. Like you know, like how many like uh, lands are left on the deck. So you're going, oh, cool. There's like 21 lands left. There's I can't even I can't do the math right now. So yeah. I'm actually fucking up my own uh, point there. But I was gonna say like you. So you know, yeah, you've yeah. got like oh, roughly a 40% chance. And, like and stuff like that. You know. Most of that math is fairly easy to do if you want to do it. Like you can go, oh, I've got two cards left, and oh, I've got two cards I need to draw. And there's 40 cards. Cool. That's what's two and over 20. Oh, one in 10. Cool. That's my odds. Like, but yeah, like, so it's not that big a uh, help. It's just taking away doing like that small maths for you. When you know. Also, I think if you're actually trying to worry about that kind of stuff too much in a game, you're distracting. But it is also super, super useful to have that kind of stuff when you are, like I say, when you've got a Tamiyo out there and you're busy trying to figure out, shit, what should I call for? Because it's giving you all that information already. I don't even need to look in my graveyard. I don't need to look in my exile. I don't need to look anywhere else. I can just see all of that stuff online with overlay. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what the long-term legalities of that kind of thing will be. I wonder if they could even stop that. You can't. I mean, that's the thing. You can't, right? Like, how are you going to do that? You just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, I don't think it's a big deal anyway, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, but it's probably, you know, it's probably long-term, like, actually hindering, you know, my abilities because, you know, I'm not doing that work myself. Or maybe it's helping because it means I'm not spending that brain power on decisions that might not necessarily matter as much. Hmm. Maybe. Who I'm, knows? Who knows how these things work? <laughs> cool i think that does bring us to the end though it's been a pretty cool chat uh you feeling good about things yeah i i i guess so and i'm yeah intrigued to see how um the spoilers continue to come out and in preparation for grand prix bangkok which would be um seal deck which would be thrown a bell drain seal deck so yeah looking forward to it okay i want to i want to ask you for one prediction though what's hmm. uh what fairy tale do you think they're going to try and do that they haven't spoiled yet oh dude I, i'm i'm not even sure which ones they've spoiled so worst <laughs> person to ask how about 
I, I switched that back, uh, question back on to you, man. I don't know if they might have done one, but maybe like Three Little Pigs or Little Red Riding Hood. I don't think I've seen Little Red Riding Hood yet. I think like a Little Red Riding Hood legend would be pretty great. And also, I mean, have they got a Big Bad Wolf? No, I think I saw like, well, they've, there's, there's wolves that look pretty. They've got the Wicked Wolf. So that, that might be their Big Bad Wolf. But I haven't seen a Little Red Riding Hood yet. So I assume we're going to be getting one of those fairly soon. Okay, we'll, we'll I'll keep an eye out for it. Sweet. If people want to follow you, what can they do? Uh, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, Twitter uh, at Kiran C. Sweet. And I think, I think Instagram. I think Instagram as well. Same Kiran C. Oh, you got that that branding down. Uh, on Twitter, <laughs> you can find me at Bobness Monster, and on Instagram, I am almost perfect Bob. Uh, slightly different there. I don't have the same. You can tell I don't work in marketing. I don't work, you know, on that side of things where I've got to worry about, you know, coordinating my brand to make sure it looks good. <laughs> well, I think you're doing okay in that regard anyway. So I think you're okay. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Anyway, thanks so much for your time once again, Karan. I'm looking forward to chatting to you again. We'll be discussing Comic Con. We'll be discussing Throne of Old Drain. We'll be discussing so many things. And yeah, we're really looking forward to hearing from you. Please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram even and let us know your thoughts on the podcast. Uh, we really want to hear your feedback. And uh, yeah, that's it from us. Cheers. Ciao.